Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we will sing it together and worship God, okay? Jesus is the winner man, the winner man, the winner man. Jesus is the winner man, the winner man all the time. Jesus is the winner man, the winner man, the winner man. Jesus is the winner man, the winner man all the time. Oh, the winner man, 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 winner man all the time. I am on the winning side, the winning side, the winning side. I am on the winning side, the winning side all the time. Oh, the winning side, 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 winning side, the winning side, the winning side, the winning side, winning side. Satan is a loser being, a loser being, a loser being. Satan is a loser being, a loser being all the time. But Jesus is a winner man. The winner man, the winner man, Jesus is the winner man, the winner man all the time. Oh, the winner man, 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 winner man all the time. Jesus is the winner man, the winner man, the winner man. Jesus is the winner man, the winner man all the time. All right, why don't you give the Lord a thundering clap offering? Hallelujah! Jesus is a winner man. Hallelujah! Please be seated. Someone said, it's a good sign to put at the exit door of every church. I should read like this, now you are entering the mission field. As you come out of a worship service, that signboard should say, now you are entering the mission field. Amen. Well, it's very important that in a camp setting like this, we should remind ourselves about the task that God has given us. Amen. Hallelujah. See, there's a purpose why we are here. There's a purpose. We are called from the darkness into the marvelous light. Yes. We have to really speak of Him. That's, that's, that's our purpose. We are called. We are, a, we are actually a sent people. 
Praise God. Hallelujah. In John chapter 17, verse 18, it says that, As you send me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Amen. Amen. We are already a sent people. Amen. Don't wait for him to send you. We are already sent. Can you say, I'm sent? We already have the commission to go. We are sent people. Hallelujah. Amen. See, as Paul said, we looked into this one. However, I consider my, my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying the good news of God's grace. I pray that we all will be guided by that inner urge within all of us that I must complete the task the Lord has given us. I will, I will, emph I will emphasize this all the time. Everywhere I go, God has given each one of us a task to do. Amen. You must finish it. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. See, your, your mission is shared. It is also specific. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It is shared. It is also specific. See, Jesus was 12, approximately 12 years of age. When his earthly parents came to him and they found him in the temple, they, of course, was missing, right? They left without him. Then he came back, they found him inside the temple. Oh, where were you, son? We were looking for you. What is the reply Jesus gave? I must be my father's business. Hallelujah. I must be in my father's business. Praise God. There's a business God has given. And see this, Jesus knew why he came to this earth. Amen. He knew the time they tried to make him king. Bible says he slipped away. Because he knew the time. My time has not yet come. He knew the timing. He knew what he needs to fulfill. Hallelujah. Amen. So he said, I must be in my father's business. And at the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Amen. There's a race that he finished. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I finished the race. Amen. When are you going to say it? When are we going to say that? What does it mean finishing the race? I want you to think about these things. I'm not preaching tonight. I'm just talking to you tonight. Well, somebody is 50 plus years of age, you would say, well, Bible says the age is actually what? 70 or at the most 80. There are people who are beyond that. You will call it grace period, right? So if you cross 40, that means you are halfway through crossing 50. 
You're getting closer to the target, right? Can you say, I'm halfway through my race? Is your chronological age equal to the race? Just because you are 50, cross 50, does that mean you finish 50% of your race? No. Is it death? No. Because Paul is saying this before he died. He said, I finished it. I finished, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I finished it. Amen. So it's not necessarily your chronological age. There's a race that I must finish. See, that's a glimpse that you should get very early in life. Why am I here? What's the point of my life? Why did the Lord save me? Praise God. Hallelujah. It with the sense of urgency you should live every single day. See, Jesus took hold of me. Okay? He took hold of me so that I can take hold of something. Amen. Jesus took hold of me with the intention that I will take hold of something. Praise God. See, that's, that's your sense. He took me. He, he, he held me. He took hold of me so that I will take hold of something in this world. It's very important. So you want to hear the Lord tells you, well done, good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll be going through some verses like this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Paul says, and he, and he has given us this ministry of reconciliation. Nirapinda Sisrusha, Namme Christu Mura Vendiedu, Tanoda, through Christ, He reconciled us to the Father and now has given us a spirit or the task of reconciliation. Amen. And now things are God's. Reconciled himself to Jesus Christ, by him, Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Every one of you here, you have been given a ministry of reconciling somebody to the Father. Every person here, every brother and sister sitting here tonight, I want you to realize something. You have been given a ministry of reconciliation. That's what we need to complete. You know, it took me almost one and a half years, almost one and a half years, to finish John chapter 17. I was doing Bible study for Wednesday night. It took one and a half years to finish the one chapter. We were really studying what this is, a, this a church that Jesus dreamt a church that Jesus dreamed about. This is a church in the heart of Jesus. Amen. This is something Jesus was looking to see in a church. This is his ideal church. That was really coming out in his prayer, in the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. All right? So there are 10 things. I'm not, that's my, not my focus today. I'm just listing this for you. Now he wanted, there's some, 10 things. One is called truth. He wants his church to be filled with truth. Satyatil Adishtadam Ayrikadam Enda Sabha. 
Amen. Truth, of course, we are talking about God's word, truth in personal life, truth in everything. We need to be truthful people. Amen. Holiness. Amen. Holiness. Amen. Then joy, my joy. I've given them my joy, Lord. Then the joy. Number five, protection. Father, protect them. I'm going, but they are going to be here. You should protect them. Amen. Then the other most important thing is mission. Okay, mission. As you send me, I'm sending them. I already send them to this world. Amen. They are sent people. Then prayer. He wants his church to be a praying church. Jesus spent time speaking to the Father. He wants his church to continue that practice. Then unity, as we are one, I want them to be one. We need to be a church that is united. Then the next thing is love. I want them to love one another. And by this, the world will know that you are my disciples. That's something the world needs to see today. See, I want to tell you something. Lord of churches, Lord of gatherings, actually bringing bad repute to God. When you go against your brother, file a case in the court. When you take him to the court, when you fight with him in the church, when there's divisions happening, is God glorified? No. That's not the church Jesus, Jesus prayed for. That's not the church Jesus envisioned. Then there is something called power. God wants his church to experience that supernatural power. Hallelujah. And the last thing, God wants His church to be a glorious church. Amen. My, that we, God wants us to share the glory. Hallelujah. So I, I want to just pick up that one small topic of mission tonight. Amen. So I want to tell you something about the importance of your mission. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, let the focus of our lives be to finish the ministry the Lord has given us. That should be the focus. I must finish it. I must finish the business. Everybody has a business. Everyone will have to give account. All of us will have to give account for everything. You have to give account for the opportunities God has given you. You can be probably... Going in a plane or a train somewhere, spending time three hours with a person sitting next to you. You talk to him everything about finance. You talk to him about politics. You talk to him about President Trump. Or you talk to him about your own uh, prime minister here, whatever it is. What's the political scene here? Stock exchange. You talk about so many things. You talked about everything except Jesus. You never asked this man, have you known anyone, a person called Jesus? You heard of Jesus. Did ever anyone share with you the gospel? Do you know Jesus? We don't. We have to give account for every opportunity God has given us. You also have to give account for every dollar God has given into your hand. We are only stewards of all the resources. Can I hear an amen to that? To all the parents, I also want to tell you something. You're only a steward of your children. You're not the owners of your children. You are simply foster parents. 
You are simply raising this child for God. And you have to settle accounts for the way you raise this child. Amen. These are all responsibilities. All right, let's come back to it. I'm going to make some, maybe four or five statements. Listen to this very carefully. Your missions. Number one is your mission is a continuation of Jesus' mission on earth. Amen. So the first thing I want to say, your mission is a continuation of Jesus' mission on earth. Amen. Hallelujah. You are continuing the mission of Jesus. Amen. See, as you know, church exists by mission, as fire exists by burning. This is said by Emil Brunner. You hear that? I'll read it one more time. The church exists by mission, as fire exists by burning. If a fire is not burning, fire is not existing. You hear that? If a church is not involved in mission, church is not existing. Amen. Where is fire? Do you, how do you see fire? Only when it burns, right? See, if a church is not involving in mission, you're not functioning as a church. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. A person who came to India, especially to... Hyderabad, and working with the Muslim population there, this Henry Martin Institute, Henry Martin said, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. And nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we must become. I'll read one more time. The spirit of Christ is the spirit of mission. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we must become. Amen. The more you get closer to the Lord, the more missionary you become. Intentionally missionary you become. Amen. So if you don't have a missionary heart, you should really, you should really check your closeness to Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't know him. The more you know him, the more missionary you become. Hallelujah. Praise God. John Stott, a biblical scholar, some years ago he passed on, you know, man who has touched so many millions of people around the globe. He said, living God of the Bible is ascending God. Amen. Living God of the Bible is ascending God. Hallelujah. Amen. See, recognizing that mission has at its heart a sense of sending and being sent only raises another question. Send to do what? Amen. Send to do what? To do what? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. See, Jesus is not simply praying that a church to be armed by truth, holiness, joy, protection from the evil supernaturalism. Jesus intentionally prayed that his church would be marked by missions. 
കർത്താവിൻ്റെ പ്രാപ്തനയിൽ നെഞ്ചുരുകി പ്രാപ്തിക്കുകയാണ് എൻ്റെ പിതാവെ എൻ്റെ സഭ ഈ പ്രേക്ഷിത വേല എടുക്കുന്ന ഒരു സഭയായിട്ട് മാറണം ഐ വാണ്ട് മൈ ചേർച്ച് ടു ബി ഇൻവോൾവ് ഇൻ എ മിഷൻ ദാറ്റ് ഐ ഹാവ് ഗിവൻ ദാറ്റ്സ് എ ഹാർഡ് ഓഫ് ഗോഡ് ദാറ്റ്സ് വാട്ട് ജീസസ് ഇസ് റിയലി പ്രേയിങ് ഹാലലൂയാ Hallelujah hallelujah praise god amen see we wanted to be very careful in the missions i want you to understand we wanted there are some things that we wanted to avoid one is called over assimilation with the world i'm just saying with the world we will get so much lost in the world just be like the world it's so hard for you to share the gospel because you and the world is not much of a difference the other one is actually totally withdrawing yourself you become a pillar saint you know there was in new relic history of christianity they were pillar saints so the higher the pillar the holier you are so they make long pillars on the top of it people go sit down far away from the world they think they are holy that's not what god the lord has called you you are in the world like salt and light praise god to salt the earth to light the world that's the reason you are here so you are continuing what god is asking you to do okay ezekiel chapter 13 verse 18 ezekiel 13 verse 18 God will hold us accountable for unbelievers around us I want everybody to understand this God will hold you accountable for the unbelievers around you all right someone read it loud for me I know it's there but someone read it loud mm. Is Ezekiel 318 Okay ഞാൻ ദുഷ്ടനോട് നീ മരിക്കുമെന്ന് കൽപ്പിക്കുമ്പോൾ നീ അവനെ ഓർപ്പിക്കുകയോ ദുഷ്ടനെ ജീവനോട് രക്ഷിക്കേണ്ടതിന് അവൻ തൻ്റെ ദുർമാർഗം വിടുവാൻ അവനെ ഓർപ്പിച്ചും കൊണ്ട് ഒന്നും പറയുകയോ ചെയ്യാഞ്ഞാൽ ദുഷ്ടൻ തൻ്റെ അകൃത്യത്തിൽ മരിക്കും അവൻ്റെ രക്തമോ ഞാൻ നിന്നോട് ചോദിക്കും ദിസ് ഇസ് എ വോണിംഗ് വെരി കെയർഫുൾ ഇഫ് യു വോണ്ട് ഇഫ് ഐ വോണ്ട് ദ വിക്കറ്റ് സെയിങ് ഹു ഇസ് ദി സെയിങ് ഐ ഗോഡ് okay if i want the wicked saying you are under the penalty of death but you fail to deliver the warning who is given the warning god gives you the warning message you are given a warning message to deliver you refuse to deliver this warning message then what will happen what will happen all right and you fail to deliver the warning they will die in their sins amen and i will hold you responsible for their deaths i want you to remember that tonight in the ratri on northonam god has given you a warning to give to your colleague your neighbor 
people who you work with, school with, wherever you are, there's a warning message God has issued and he has given it to you to deliver it to them. If you don't do it, they will die in their sins. And God said, I will hold you responsible for their lives. That is scary, right? Isn't that scary? But do we take it seriously? Think about the opportunities we missed. There are some people that you will never see again. Some people who left your office, you will never see them again. You work with them three years. They sat in the next cabin to you. You went to lunch together so many times, but you never dared to just pass on that warning God has put in your heart. One day we will have to stand before Jesus and give account for the missed opportunities. Hallelujah. We have some great brothers and sisters here who have come to Christianity because somebody shared the gospel. Or they simply walked into some place. You know? But they also had neighbors who knew the scriptures. They also had believers in their vicinity. They also had believers who lived in the city. But only thing is that somebody did not deliver the message. I want us to be thinking about that tonight. If you don't deliver it, you and I will have to give account to God. So your ministry, your mission is a continuation of the mission of Jesus. Amen. Number two, your ministry or your mission is a wonderful privilege. Amen. Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, amen. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. What a privilege it is. Hallelujah. Amen. ൂതകണം പാപമെല്ലാം What a privilege it is. Your mission is a privilege. Amen. Dūdhan mārkku vōli ilai avagāsham. Anganāyana dūdhan mārā kontraktu vodhe jubhoyam vodhiyad. They don't have the authority. Angels do not have the authority to share the gospel. Only you and me. A saved saint only has that privilege. You don't sit on it. Do not sit on it. Pass it on. 
He said, freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely give. But I still remember, I guess it was probably 1983 or something. There was this Billy Graham Evangelistic Association held a meeting somewhere in Manila, Philippines. I was actually thinking about going and attending that. And the conference theme was very exciting. The conference theme was, tell me his name again. Tell me his name again. It was basically found, basically come from a Chinese uh, story. It's, 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 it's something that happened in China. You know, before the communists took over, there were missionaries going there, you know, Hudson Taylor and others. They went there as China Inland Mission. They went to a remote village. And a pastor went there, shared the gospel. A woman received Jesus as a Savior. She didn't have a Bible or anything. And then a communist took over. Everything has changed. The dynamic has really changed. No one was able to preach. And, you know, and she, she was probably the only, only believer. You know, they just went there. And all of a sudden, the communist took over. Everything has changed. And after many years, one missionary somehow sneaked in. Went to that village. And she, he, somehow he came across this woman. And she realized this was a Christian missionary. You know the first thing what she came, she came and said, tell me his name again. She forgot the name Jesus. But she knew who it was. She forgot the name Jesus. Because she didn't have an opportunity. She said, tell me his name again. The world is waiting, people of God. The world is waiting for some of you to go tell his name. His name is greater name. Yishinam, we were singing about it today. What a precious name it is. Hallelujah. That name, that sweet name, the liberating name of Jesus. The world is waiting, telling, come on, tell me his name again. Hallelujah. Working with God. So we are called co-laborers, with God. Is that a privilege? Oh, you're not a servant. You're a co-laborer. See, God sent his son. His son is a laborer and we are co-laborers. Amen. Jesus came to finish a mission and we are joining with him in the mission. We are co-laborers. What a privilege it is. Hallelujah. We are representing God. We are workers with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the most important thing is, we are ambassadors of Christ. Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, we read that, Agayal nyangal, Kristu vinuvendi, sthana padigalai, daivathod nirandu golvin, yamna Kristu vinuvagaram abetshikinnu. We are standing on behalf of Christ as ambassadors. So when a country sends an ambassador, you send an Australian ambassador to India, he represents Australian kingdom or the Australian country of Australia. He represents here. And we are sent as, as representatives, as ambassadors to the world with the message, reconcile with God. Your mission is a privilege. Your mission is a continuation of the mission of Jesus. Number two, your mission is a privilege. 
Number three, gospel you preach has the revolutionary potential to alter eternal destiny of others for God. I'll say it one more time. The gospel we preach or you preach has revolutionary potential to alter the eternal destiny of others for God. Nam prasangikinna isu visheshatana oru manishanda nithyada matti edukkuvanulla oru valiya shakri undanulla karyam marakkerude. That's what Paul said. I am not ashamed of the gospel. This is a power of God and the salvation of those who believe. Vishasikinavarka idu deiva shakriya. Hallelujah. God has given us that opportunity. Hallelujah. As a, you know, gospel is not a small thing. Paul says, I am in chain, but gospel is not in chain. So we say, what is it? Bentana Veninga Kenevana Mangle, you would have Talachiram, but she and the Suishes the Talachid and Kariatilla. Hallelujah. That is the message God has given us. Hallelujah. It has a potential. Hallelujah. Revolutionary potential of preaching. Holy Spirit changes the lives of those who sit and listen to the word proclaimed. See, what is our job? Our job is simply witness. Simply share the gospel. The rest is the business of the Holy Spirit. Don't feel bad. Nobody gets converted. That's not your business. It's a business of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Your job is simply to deliver the message. Don't sit on it. Deliver it. Amen. Hallelujah. See, that's why John Wycliffe said, the highest service that men may attain to attain on this earth is to preach the word of God. That's the highest job, service that anybody can do. Alexander White of Edinburgh admonished a discouraged Methodist preacher. Never think of giving up preaching. The angels around the throne envy your great work. Ha. Never give up preaching the gospel, man. You believe that Hallelujah. What a privilege it is to preach the gospel. Hallelujah. See, in the Second Vatican Council, we're talking about Catholics, Roman Catholic clergy, you know, they were summoned to preach the gospel, saying, listen, since no one can be saved who has not heard the heard first and believed priests as co-workers with their bishops have, you know, have as their primary duty the proclamation of the gospel of God to all. Can you imagine? This is a papal declaration. It says here, since no one can be saved who has not heard first and believed the gospel. So we say, Sange Kare, what a money shark volume, let Chica Paduan Kalia, the Rikinadu under Bishop Maro, who would a churn, priest, Tigle, and Ningle, eleven boys, who is a number. It is a trade, Mansilla. 
It talks over the potential power of the gospel. See, the consequences of your mission will last forever. Consequences of your job will not last forever. Retired high school teacher, at least, somebody you are influenced, somebody, otherwise, who cares for you? You retire into some golf course, you retire yourself in some other place. Nobody, nobody remembers you. But the gospel. Hallelujah. John chapter 9, verse 4. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here. Working while the sun shines. When night falls, the working is over. That's a message translation. A time will come. It will be pitch dark. You will not be able to do anything. A time will come. You cannot get up from your bed and go and share the gospel. A time will come when you cannot recall a Bible verse because you are too old. Time will come when you will have slurred speech. You cannot speak properly. But this is the time to share the gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. So your, your gospel has the potential, the revolutionary potential to change life for eternity. Number four, your mission gives you your life meaning. Amen. So spend your life on something that lasts. Acts chapter 20 verse 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I like that translation. And the pranana nyanandiyanilla. And the autumn, the yugurubita sushashiyan, the satshyam parayanam. And the ladhan kartavayashiyan, the sushashiyan, the yanam. Thigekkanam. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Number five. God's timetable for history's conclusion is connected to the completion of our mission. God's timetable for history's conclusion is connected to the completion of our mission. Praise God. And I'll read a verse that makes it more clear. Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. So when the apostles were with Jesus... They kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness in, in, in uh, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14, you can put that up. Hallelujah. Matthew 24 and verse 15. 
I want you to think about those statements that I made. Very important task God has given us. A mission God has given you. You will be held accountable if you don't pass it on. Your gospel has the potential to change lives. It's a privilege to partner with God. Freely you received, freely you gave. Hallelujah. Praise God. With that in mind, very quickly, maybe, in, maybe another five to ten minutes, I'll finish this thing. Turn to Gospel of John. Gospel of John, chapter 12. Okay? And I want us to read from verse 1 onwards. I want someone to read it loud and clearly. Yes. 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 All right, now skip to verse 9. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. Yes. Amen. So I want us to understand here. That we'll take a very brief look at this, this portion of Scripture here. I want you to take time to read through this. It says here, when therefore six days before the Passover, Passover came to Bethany, where Lazarus was there, Jesus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, there they made him a supper, and Martha was serving or in another translation, they, they arranged a supper in honor of Jesus. A dinner was prepared in honor of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want, to, I want to just get an idea about the situation there. situation You come to chapter 11, okay? Verse 53. So from that day on, they planned together to kill him. Therefore, Jesus no longer continued to walk publicly among the Jews. He went away from there to a country near wilderness into a, into a city called Ephraim. And there he stayed with his disciples a time where you don't see Jesus publicly anywhere. Why Jesus is not out in public? Because a death warrant has been issued. Kill him. You see him anywhere, kill him. So he is not to be seen public. 
he withdrew to an obscure small village called Ephraim with his disciples, not doing any public ministry. All right? Now listen. Now the Passover of the Jews were near, and many went up to Jerusalem out of the country before Passover to purify themselves. So they were seeking for Jesus and were saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think? That he will not come to the feast at all. You know that every Jew, every male will come to the Jewish temple at least three times a year. Passover for sure, every Jewish male will come. So there are people that they don't see Jesus anywhere and they are waiting at the temple to see if Jesus will show up at the temple. So they're waiting there. A trap is in progress. Now the chief priests, look at the 57, chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he was to report so that they might seize him. An arrest warrant is issued. Not a good time. It's the most difficult time in the life of Jesus. To associate with Jesus is get yourself into trouble. Amen. No one wants to come out publicly saying, Oh, I know Jesus. Uh, he's my buddy. He comes to my homes. He hangs out with us. No, you don't want to say anything like that. You're very careful because you don't want to. Because Jesus himself kind of withdrew. He was not seen publicly. Arrest warrant is issued. People are ready to kill him. See, that's when a band of people came together. Here you see, and you, when you connect this with some of the scripture portions, you would see there was a young, there was a person here in whose house is this dinner prepared. His name was Simon the leper. Okay? Kushtarogi Aya? Simon. Simon was there. Mary is here, Martha is here, Brother Lazarus is here. These four people got together with one agenda. What's the agenda? We need to honor Jesus. Amen. This is not a good time. This is a difficult time. Their only thing is that we need to honor. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Amen. See, I want to talk something about your mission here, and I'll close here. They all got together. Simon the leper, I want you to know that he's not a leper now. I believe Jesus must have healed him. He's healed of leprosy. He's inducted back into the society. So he is here now. He's got a big house, nice house. So he said, why don't you have it in my house? Let's have the dinner in my house. So I would say what, what Simon did was Simon opened the door of his house, he created an opportunity. Amen. So what is your mission? Some of your mission is actually the mission of Simon. You're not called to be a preacher because you're probably not such a calling. Your job is to create opportunity. Can I hear an amen to that? Yes. Praise God. It could be, it could be a, a birthday of your child. Amen. Make sure intentionally you invite some of your non-Christian friends. Make sure you spend time praying before that. Targeting them, praying, write their names down. I say, God, you touch their lives. Amen. Make sure that you prepare all your friends to ready for engaging people. 
Make sure that you recognize scripture portions ready when your opportunity comes. You create an opportunity. Your job is to be a Simon. That's all you need to do. God has blessed you with a job. God has blessed you with financial resources. God has blessed you with a home. Open it wide so that Jesus can be honored there. Can I hear an amen to that? Well, you need to ask God, Lord, am I a Simon? Amen. Amen. Therefore, see, six, six days before the Passover. Now, I wanted to know that the Passover day, a Passover lamb will be slain. Last opportunity, last week to do something for Jesus. They all got together. I want you to sense the seriousness of time. Simon opened the door. Okay. All right. Now, it says here, Martha served and no fine print written anything. Pandu Martha ever served a little fine print. Pulgarting in a chornon, Dana, Lingandia, in Muruburton, every time Martha served, I get to do all this dirty work and everybody get behind the pulpit. I never get a microphone for one minute, you know. I get to wash here, I clean, I take these things out. That's all Martha job. Martha job is done by both male and female. Amen. See, you have the physical strength. Amen. I'm ready to serve. See, Martha is now graduated. Now I want you to understand. Martha is more spiritual today. Previously, anytime Martha does something, she will always be saying, oh, man, I don't like this. Nobody says, what a thanks. They never mentioned my name. And so, I don't like this kind of stuff. But Martha served now. Amen. Nothing else. Martha served. That's your part in the mission. Amen. Amen. See, when Martha serves, I want you to know something. Where is Mary? Every time you see Mary, what, what is she doing? She's always at her feet. This time she is, of course, anointing with some. She did it for his funeral. She is at the feet all the time. Some of you, your job is to pray. Simon can open the door. Martha will serve, do all the physical arrangements. Mary will be praying. Amen. See, don't worry about your age. If you are old, you cannot go outside, but you can be a Mary and pray. Amen. Praise God. Now here you see, the Jews came not only because of Jesus. There's somebody else. Verse 9 says somebody else. What is that? The, the large crowd of Jews then learned that he was there and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. And the chief priest had planned to put Lazarus to death also because of him. So many Jews were going away and were believing in Jesus. Now Lazarus has become a dangerous fellow. So they want to kill Jesus, they want to kill Lazarus. Lazarus is the vocal person here. Amen. Amen. What is Lazarus doing here? Lazarus is preaching to everybody who is coming. Lazarus see a prostitute coming this way. He stands at a street corner. Sister, I want to tell you something. I was also in a pit like you. As you are in a pit, I was also in a pit. 
But Jesus raised me up. He can raise your life also. He tell a drunkard, man, I was in a pit of alcoholism, but Jesus lifted me up. He can lift you up also. This is witnessing. You tell the world what God has done for you. I know how many of you, you all have testimony. Every one of you has a testimony. All those who raise, receive Jesus Christ, you have a testimony to tell the world. Just simply tell the world what God has done. Open my mouth, O God. If you can speak well, do you speak English? Whatever language, you're a Lazarus. Do you have a story to tell? You're a Lazarus. Go tell. Share. When Lazarus go out, preach the gospel, Mary is home praying. Martha is doing physical arrangement. While you see Simon opening the door. What a teamwork it is. Amen. Amen. Ask God to show you if you are a Simon. Am I a Simon? Am I a Martha? Am I a Mary? Am I a Lazarus? Whatever you do, there's only one aim in honor of Jesus. That's all it is. That's all it is. It doesn't matter. So you also need to understand. Every one of us will give equal reward for whatever you do. Amen. Vastrangathavanum, padakivoyavanum, oruvole pradivalam kudukkunnaru devam. Hallelujah. Padinannam mani nerthu poyavanum, aaram mani poyavanum, ella oruvole. Even if you worked only for one hour, you get paid for a whole day. That's how God is. Hallelujah. He's a faithful God. He's a loving God. Let's do something for the Master. As I close here, I'm reminded about a story. In the year 1924, you must have read it, you must have heard it, but this is a story that has touched my heart. In 1924, a a Swedish missionary family decided to go on mission work. Young people, 27-year-old Per young person, you know, they decided to go in the mission field. They took their first child. His name was, you know, the, the, the missionary's name was David Flood and Suva Flood. They decided to go to a mission field. They went to a place called Congo. It's called the Belgium Congo. There was another Scandinavian missionary by the name Eriksens. They also went. They met them. They met at the mission station in Congo. And they, the floods and the Ericsons started talking. They said, let's not stay near the mission compound. Let's go to the interior villages. So they decided to go to an interior part of Congo. Deep through the, you know, through the thick forest they went. When they went, they found a village. You know, they can't enter the village. So they actually kind of stationed themselves into a hill on the side, just the opposite of it. On the side of the hill, they made a mud house, two mud house. They stayed there. They tried. They have little bit of knowledge about the language. They learned the little language. They were trying to share the gospel. The villagers says, don't enter into our village. And as they were there, this David's wife, Okay, wife 
she got pregnant and during the pregnancy she was hit with malaria many times she was on bed rest most of the time and she gave birth to a child they named the child aina exactly 17 days after she gave birth to the aina the child his wife passed away david was very angry at god very angry at god so he came he was he he dug a hole and buried his wife so upset and angry he gave the little 17 day old child can you even see you see we have philip's little child here give such a small kid into the hands of ericsons he left congo for good for the next 5 decades no one knew anything about this man and after a year or two the villagers poisoned this missionary ericsson and his wife and they both were killed child is left orphaned again there was an american missionary who lived in another part of the congo they adopted this child they gave her a new name they called her agnes called her aggie after a couple of years they decided to go back to america they were american missionaries they were called birds they came back to south dakota he pastored few churches around When Aggie became finished high school, she went into the Central North Central Bible School, Bible College. There she met a young man by the name Dewey Hurst. They get married, and later this man becomes this Dewey becomes the principal of that Bible College, and they were doing good. Their twenty-fifth wedding anniversary came. The school decided to give them a trip to Sweden. knowing that she actually her parents came from sweden they were swedish missionaries she always wanted to find out who their you know they wanted to know something about this biological father she had so she took the trip it was probably 10 days trip she they went there all 8 9 days she was struggling to find out there's no trace of this person somebody came the last day the day before they they returned came and said i want you to try i think he is he lives in that apartment over there some part of the town there's a run down uh, apartment house he went to the third floor she went there she saw an old man sitting with long beard and then and then bottles all over alcohol bottles all over and the person who led them there said do not mention the name god because he already said people around never mentioned god at my hearing then you're going to have trouble so he said don't ever mention the the word god to this person so she went there and they said this is the person his wife and you know, all these things she went there she called him papa this is aina this man turned around and looked at her and said Aina 
she, her name was really changed to Agnes and all. But he said, I never meant to give you up. But, your, but God was so angry at us. He destroyed our family. And she said, God is good. He preserved me. She said, never use that word again. I don't want to hear it. And finally, in that conversation, she was able to restore this man back to God. He was almost dying back to God. Finally, this man, after five decades, he kind of reconciled with God. She lives next morning. By the time she reached Seattle, Washington, she hears the news, father passed away. A few years later, this family, Dewey Hurst and her, they were invited first to go to the World Pentecostal Conference in London. In Royal Prince Hall, 10,000 delegates came from all around the world. And the first night, there was one preacher came from Congo. She was very curious to listen to this man. So he, after the preaching gets over, she goes to him and said, do you know, you know, I, I was, you know, do you know this particular village? This man said, yes. I'm actually from that village. She said, I was born in that village. She said, do you know anything about a missionary family called the Floods? David and Sue have floods. He said, yes. In fact, I, have, I went to her tomb three months ago and offered flowers on behalf of 100,000 Congan believers, Pentecostal believers of Zaire. I offered flowers. She didn't say anything. She just, she couldn't speak. She was frozen. She said, and he said, you know, that lady, his, that missionary lady died after giving birth to her 17-day-old child. And husband left. I don't think they had produced one single convert in the whole of Africa except me. Because I used to carry three times a week. I used to take chicken and eggs. I used to sell, go to the back door and sell chicken and eggs to this family. And she used to share gospel with me. One day, I gave my life to Christ. There's only one life to live. 100,000 Pentecostal believers have come because of one life. Just one life. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. There's only one life to live. Whatever you do for the Lord will last forever. Will you stand for a moment?
everyone. On everybody, all brothers and sisters, listen very carefully to the next two or three minutes as I lead you into a prayer. The Lord brought you to Australia for a very clear purpose. The Lord saved you from darkness for a very clear purpose. There's a mission that you must finish. But you need to understand what is your role. You could be a Simon, open the door, create an opportunity. You can be a Martha and serve God with gladness. You can be a Mary interceding and praying for people around the world. While Lazarus, if you are a Lazarus, go out, share the gospel. But we all must be witnesses. Everybody must be witnesses. Don't be excited about coming to church. Don't be excited about coming. Just simply come and be part of a camp and go home. Every week when you exit the church, always remember you are entering a mission field. Every unsaved colleague is a mission field. Every unsaved neighbor is a mission field. Every unsaved family is a mission field. Your life is very important. You know, when I used to work as a college campus counselor, a staff, I always, whenever I do a mission challenge, I always tell people, you could decide to serve God if the Lord really puts a burden into your heart. Step out to serve God full time. I will always challenge people to, you know, there is something called the reserve army. You can be in the reserve army. What does it really mean? The reserve army means anytime the country needs you, they could enlist you, right? You are in the reserve ready to go anytime. But right now, you are in the reserve while you still do your secular job. There may be once in a week or something, you go there. Maybe a couple of times you go there to the, to the reserve and, and do what you need to be doing. But a country needs you. They can just, just get you, enlist you to go. You could be an accountant, a manager, and a nurse. You can be a computer programmer. Whatever your profession, your business be. But are you willing to say, God, I'm ready in the reserve army. Anytime you call, I will come. Anytime. While I witness and remain in the reserve army. As I remain here, as I do my job, I will be a witness. I will send. I will be in mission. I will do whatever it is right now, God. But when you need me, God, when you call me, I will answer that call. I will step out, oh God. I will come. You know, I recall a day when I really felt the call God lays into my heart. Years ago, in 1995, though I had theological education, I was involved in a ministry working for the state of Texas. 
Things are going good for us. I just had promotion. We just bought a house. Everything is going good. One night, I felt God in one of the meetings we were sitting and praying. Holy Spirit very clearly said, I need you. I want you to be a Lazarus. I want you to step out. I want you to be a preacher of the gospel. I struggled with it. I said, God, if you're speaking to me, I want you to speak to my wife. Because I just said, I will never come simply to share your, your ministry, your, your dream. I want God to speak to me. I said, God, speak to her. That night, right after it gets over, I go and tell Shaija, God was speaking to my heart to step out to serve him. She said, I understand. God was speaking to my heart to go serve him. We just had this next 12 months to prepare. Because we had to spend all the money we had to buy the house. For the next one year, we were spending time preparing. In 1997, April, we stepped out to serve God. We left our job, resigned the job with two children. We picked them up, went to the city of Mumbai. Since then, I've been preaching the gospel. And I, I can tell you something. It is not, this is only for encouragement, not for anything. I have given my very best life to Jesus. My best years to Jesus. I traveled the length and breadth of India. In train, buses, whatever the conveyance was available. I have seen hundreds, thousands of people committing their lives to Jesus Christ. But there were Marthas who served there. There were Simons who prepared. There were people who gave. I just preached the gospel. That's all I did. Oh, it's just part of a team. There's only one life to live. One life to live. God is calling you tonight. Will you just give yourself to God? Lord, I want to be in the reserve army. No questions will be asked. When you call me, I will never tell you wrong number. I will never tell you wrong number. You know, why do you, when do you say wrong number? Because you don't understand the subject. You don't understand the person on the other side. And the subject that he's talking to is foreign to you. And you say wrong number. How many times God called? We always said wrong number. If tonight, Holy Spirit is leading you, I'm not calling people for full-time ministry here. That happens. When it happens, you make the decision. But tonight, the question that I'm asking you, the invitation is actually, will you willfully, voluntarily offer yourself into the reserve army of God? Enlist yourself in the reserve army. Lord, you call any time, I will come. I will never say wrong number. I will say, yes, I'll step out. And I will witness you every opportunity I get. Every person I meet, I try to start a conversation. Because the gospel is powerful. If that is you, we are making that decision today. Don't do anything emotionally as we sing. 
I'll sing a small chorus and after, uh, part of a hymn and after that they will take up singing. Do you really feel in your heart the Lord is calling you to come to that level of a commitment? This is a commitment, that's all you're doing. A commitment to be available for Jesus. I want you, because since this is a very important decision, I want you to come forward, stand in line. Only those who really make the decision, come. As I sing this song, I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. Take up your cross, follow close to me where he leads me I will follow where he leads me I will follow where he leads me I will follow I'll go with him with him all the way I can hear my Savior calling. Take up your cross and follow. Lord, I make myself available to you in the reserve army. Lord, you need me to go anywhere, be anything, and do anything. I will go. Because you showed the example. You left the heavens for me. You came to this earth. You took the form of a man. And you humbled yourself. Obedient even to the point of death. And I want to follow the same. I will go wherever you want me to go, dear Lord. I will be whatever you want me to be, dear Lord. I will do whatever you want me to be, dear Lord. You know, I really believe the decision that took place here today. Don't look at this as something small. I believe this decision will depopulate hell in thousands. Hallelujah. The decision will depopulate hell by thousands. Hallelujah. Only in eternity you will see the weight of this decision that you make here tonight. Hallelujah. The Lord has seen you, child. The Lord has seen you. The Lord has seen the decision today here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.